if we simply focus in this process itself and we optimize it, let's say by 20%, it means the entire system can ship 20% more out of the door. Welcome to the Manufacturing Executive Podcast, where we explore the strategies and experiences that are driving mid-sized manufacturers forward. Here, you'll discover new insights from passionate manufacturing leaders who have compelling stories to share about their successes and struggles. And you'll learn from B2B sales and marketing experts about how to apply actionable business development strategies inside your business. Let's get into the show. Welcome to another episode of the Manufacturing Executive Podcast. I'm Joe Sullivan, your host and a co-founder of the industrial marketing agency, Gorilla76. This episode is brought to you by Workstep, a software provider that helps companies hire and retain their frontline workforce across the supply chain. Visit workstep.com to learn more. We all get distracted by shiny objects sometimes, or at least I do. New technology, or something innovative that a competitor is doing that admittedly makes us a little bit jealous. And sometimes those shiny objects or feelings of jealousy lead us to say, I need to be doing that too. But with this mindset, we can easily wind up trying to solve problems that don't really exist, or we attack issues that aren't truly the root cause of our problems. My guest today is a pro at identifying where the true constraints lie in a manufacturer's operations so they can channel energy into the places that will drive meaningful results. Let me introduce him. Pavel Kuviarzin is part of the Future State Engineering team of change management experts. There, Pavel helps, helps companies achieve breakthrough operational improvements by looking at the organization holistically, identifying hidden capabilities within, and creating a decisive competitive edge for the organization. Pavel has over 15 years of experience working with distributors and manufacturers. He holds a PMP and CPIM certifications, as well as a Bachelor of Commerce. Pavel, welcome to the show. Yeah. Hi, Joe. Thanks for having me. It's good to have you here. Pavel, you, you told me that you will often see manufacturers make large investments in various improvements to their operations, but because they invest in areas where they're not truly experiencing constraints, they fail to achieve any true impact. So can you elaborate on what you mean by this and maybe provide an example or two for context? Oh, yes, uh, absolutely, Joe. Yes, when we work with our clients, uh, we see a lot where the first thing the clients usually do to improve the operation is to put investments into automation or things like that. So, so before I go and explain a little bit more about it, uh, what do I mean by not really helping them to achieve the significant improvements that they would like. Let me talk a little bit about the th uh, three fundamental concepts. Uh, so the way we see an operation, there is uh, in any manufacturing organization, there is the throughput, there is inventory, and there is operational expense. So what's throughput? Uh, throughput basically is the rate the system generates money through sales. So basically throughput is money coming in. And then you also have the inventory, What's inventory? Inventory is all the money invested into things the system intends to sell. So basically, inventory is money in the system. And then we also have our operational expense. And what's operational expense? Operational expense is money spent to turn inventory into cash. So basically, 
money spent to make throughput happen. And uh, now it brings me to the goal. So what would be the goal of the, any organization? So the goal of any organization would be to increase throughput while simultaneously reducing inventory and operational expense. Now, from here, I can get to the concept of productivity. So what's productivity? Producti productivity, the way I see it, is any initiative by the organization. Any initiative by the organization would be productive if that initiative is an initiative to support the, that supports the goal. If, if the initiative is not supporting the goal, then it's not productive. So for example, one large manufacturer from the commercial refriger refrigeration equipment, uh, they made a large investment in uh, one of the processes uh, upstream. Uh, it's a lasering operation. They made a huge investment, a few million dollars. To, why they made this investment? Because I think, okay, if we, if we get the first process upstream efficient and produce more, we're probably going to ship more stuff out of the door. But it's not really the case. So what was happening is they, they purchased this equipment, they spent a lot of money, and obviously all the top management attention is now to make sure this operation is, is very efficient. So the lasering, the lasering uh, was extremely efficient. Uh, and what was happening, sometimes the laser was idle, so the managers was really angry. Why is the operation idle? So we're coming into the perspective, we're looking at the operation, and we're looking that the operator that is moving the full skits of uh, metal that was already lasered, that was already cut, so they're moving it from this operation, from the lasering to the shakeout operation, the operator on the forklift couldn't keep up moving full skits of ready material to the next operation. He just couldn't keep up because the lasering was so efficient. And then we're asking the question, so how do you think it will make the system more effective? And they're thinking about that. Would it help you to ship more stuff out of the door? Maybe not. But when we're asking them, so look, there is a mountains, like lots and lots of inventory in front of this shakeout operation. So we're asking them now the next question. So do you think if we put more and make the mountain bigger, would it really help? So that's really the misconception that if we automate, if we invest more money into some kind of innovative ERP system, if we put robotics in place, we're definitely going to ship more stuff. We're definitely going to make the system more effective. But that's not the truth. That's not, I mean, that's not the case. Do you think people just get distracted by the shiny object or a new technology and or they see another manufacturer doing something and say, we, we, should, we should probably be doing that too? Or how does this happen? I think so, because yes, uh, before it was a big craze from moving from MRP to ERP, because then they moved from MRP to ERP and they were using ER, the ERP system like it's an MRP system. So it really didn't help. Then robotics came in place. Everybody's getting robots. So now we have to get robots too. But the thing is, you need to, what we do, what's important to do for organizations is to apply cause and effect thinking into every problem, into everything that is happening. It's more of a scientific method. When you come into your system, you see your processes. All the processes are interrelated and interdependent between each other. So you apply the cause and effect thinking, and it becomes a little bit clearer to understand how different decisions affect every process within the system. And when you apply those concepts, it becomes easier to understand where you really should focus your efforts to make the system more effective. Pavel, you and I were talking recently about busy work and how there's often this feeling inside of an organization that we need to keep everyone busy. Why is this the wrong mindset? So, yes, yeah, so there is a big misconception. And unfortunately, manufacturers 
organizations sometimes don't really see the difference between productivity, pro productive work, and busy, uh, being busy. So, so many times being busy is not necessarily means being productive. And many times when you have all your processes busy and efficient, it creates the opposite effect. It's not making you produce more stuff and it's not supporting the goal. Remember, the goal is to increase throughput while simultaneously reducing operational expense and inventory. When you are being busy, you're not really supporting the goal. You, you will not have more throughput. When you have all the operations busy, you're probably gonna have the opposite effect. You're gonna have something probably more work in process inventory. So with the example from the previous example from this manufacturer in the, in the commercial refrigeration industry, they had the wrong process busy. So they were creating more work in process inventory. But now why the misconception is coming? Why? I mean, there has to be a reason why everybody wants to be, to have everybody busy. So the mis misconception, uh, I think personally, is coming from the cost world or the cost reduction mentality. So for example, we hire an employee, let's say it's an like average number of hours, 40 hours a week, the work. So we're paying them for 40 hours a week. So when we hire an employee, we want this employee to be as productive as possible or not really productive, as busy as possible. So when the employee is idle or the process is idle, it means they're not producing, so it's bad. Why? Because of the cost mentality. We're paying them for, for something, so they have to work, they have to do something. So another example would be from a, a manufacturer of about 400 employees, uh, I think they're about 60 million, so a decent size manufacturer. And to make every, every process busy, they had an incentive that every department was measured on how much they produce. So if they produce more, the incentive is better. Department per department. So there is the, let's say there is machining department, there is heat treat, there is forging, different departments, let's say. And every department was, was measured how much can they produce. So let's say they start a batch of 5,000. They need 5,000 to meet the market, uh, the market demand. Let's say they need a batch of 5,000 pieces. Now they're doing because they want to reduce on changeovers and to make sure they are being productive as per the incentive. They're doing they're starting a bunch of ten thousand pieces so that we're gonna have show better numbers. We're gonna have we're gonna have more time working, more time being busy. Sometimes those parts can be easy parts. For example, you can do two parts at the same time as you'll do one hard part. So they're doubling it again. So now they're doing 20,000 batches, 20,000 batches, and they're showing really good results. They're being busy. But guess what the customer wants? The customer wants, the customer probably wants the hard parts, and they want reduced lead time. So when we went to the floor, we're looking, there is uh, lots of inventory, working process inventory everywhere. They uh, went to 14 weeks a product production lead time, 14 weeks. When we start working with them in a short amount of time, we were able to reduce that production lead time to nine days. Mm -hmm. Well, how we did it, once again, cause and effect thinking, we apply the problem solving approach in the right areas. Obviously we changed the incentive program, that's for sure. So we, we put the, the measurement on shipping. So how much you ship, that's how everybody, how much everybody gets. And why the employees, the employees liked it, 
because they scored the best results ever from $3 an hour extra, dollar an hour extra that they were getting a, a period. So let's say they worked 100 hours per period, they'll get $3 extra. We were able to bring them to $9. So it's huge, huge uh, changes in the mindset of how we do things. So that's why uh, busy work is not always productive work. Now that's a really perfect example. Let's take a quick break for a word from our sponsor. Hiring and retaining frontline supply chain workers continues to be a major struggle in today's market. Workstep is a leading software provider that has partnered with manufacturing companies to help them better understand the true reasons behind their workforce turnover and take actions to improve it. Workstep has successfully helped many manufacturing companies reduce their frontline worker turnover by up to 36%. Visit workstep.com to learn how you could do the same and protect your bottom line. Pavel, I've heard you use the term systematic capacity expansion. What does that mean? Okay, so uh, be before I start uh, talking about the systematic capacity expansion, I think it's critical to understand uh, the focusing mechanisms we use when we start uh, working with our clients and uh, what kind of thinking we apply because the systematic capacity expansion is more of a, it's more like the force, the force uh, focusing step. There is a total of five focusing steps that we use when we start working with our clients. So the first thing, when we look at the organization holistically, so we're looking at the, at the organization as a system, a system made up of different processes within. Those processes, you remember it, I said it a little earlier, are interrelated and interdependent. So there will be effects when you make changes in different processes, in a process, there will be effects, negative or positive effects. So it's very critical to understand the interrelationship and the interdependence between those processes. Because sometimes there is organizations, unfortunately, working in silos, but an organization is not a silo. Organization is one system. So where does it bring me? Imagine all those processes are connected, like in an invisible chain. So you have a chain. Right, it's all the process connected in a chain. And what is the strength? How strong is the chain? The chain is strong as its weak, weakest link. And why it's so important? Why everything? Why it's so important to understand where's the weakest link? We call it also a constraint. So why it's so critical to understand where the constraint is? Because if you strengthen the weakest link, you strengthen the chain. So. If you notice that we found out, so the first focusing step is to identify the constraint. So now we identify the constraint. And if we, and why it's so critical to understand it is because if we simply focus in this process itself and we optimize it, let's say by 20%, it means the entire system can ship 20% more out of the door. This is huge, it's phenomenal. And what's also interesting is that when we apply the focusing steps, you haven't heard me saying investing. We don't invest and we use the same resources. And identifying the constraint, the second step is we deciding how to exploit the constraint. So we decide how to strengthen the constraint, how to strengthen the weakest link. And here we already start seeing changes. Once we strengthen the weakest link, the third focusing step is subordination. Basically subordinate all the processes within your system to work with a constraint. Your constraint is a pacemaker of the system. You subordinate all the processes and you still, you don't invest 
any money and you use the same resources you have. And you'll see 20% easily. We've, we've seen as much as 50% increase in throughput with the same resources and without investment. That's why in, my, in the first question you ask, you ask me about uh, why people got it wrong when they're investing, why manufacturers get it wrong sometimes, because they're starting it from the fourth step. They're starting to invest. And that's exactly the systematic capacity expansion. And the fourth focusing step is you elevating the constraint. Meaning, once you are able to achieve just such significant results, you obviously getting market share from your competitors. So you have the same resources still, you didn't invest in anything, and you're getting market share. So you're shipping more stuff out of the door. You, are, you, you achieve a decisive competitive, competitive edge in your industry. But at some point of time, you'll need to elevate. So you need to invest. That's why it's systematic capacity expansion. You increase your capacity, but strategically. You don't purchase equipment because you think it's going to help you or, auto, or you automate the process. You systematically, strategically position where to improve and when. And what's more even important than that, when to improve, at what time to put those systems in place to elevate your capacity. Pavel, how's this concept of systematic capacity expansion different? during a time like this when the supply chain is often the constraint? Yeah, very good question. Yes, supply chain, especially in those, uh, what was it, two years now since we had the COVID, even more now? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so obviously it was a huge, uh, huge game changer everywhere. Supply chain problems, huge lead times, shortages everywhere, raw materials costs went through the roof like crazy. When we go to the organizations, everybody right away thinking it's the supply chain is the issue of supply chain. Everybody had kind of the beliefs that it's because of the supply chain, they have all these issues. But it's funny that uh, when we, we worked with uh, our clients during these times and uh, with all the clients, we recognize there is so much, so much capacity left underutilized inside the organization, even with all the disruptions, all the price increases, all the stuff that was going on, there is still so much potential inside the organizations to optimize with the same resources and without investment. So uh, for example, one manufacturer in the hand, tool, uh, hand tools uh, industry, pretty large company, about I think 80 to or 100 million, they had huge issues. So we started working with them. And in uh, 2021, not only they had all the issues going on, they also had about, so their organization of about 400 employees, they had about 15% of employees because of like COVID, the pandemic, because of that, they had shortage. I mean, I'm sure you're familiar. I'm sure you heard a lot about uh, different organizations complaining about people issues, but just no, no manpower. And especially during those times with all the incentives from the government, lots of companies uh, had problems with people. There is just not, not enough labor force. So they had 15% less people, but we applied our uh, concepts. Like we identified the constraint, we decided how to exploit it. We subordinated the entire system to the constraint. And 2021 was their best shipping year. Can you believe that? It was their best shipping year in 2021. 
was less people. I haven't heard that from too many people. <laughs> yeah, it was, was less people most yeah. of the year. And they started, what we didn't realize, how quickly they're going to start getting more orders because nobody else can do it. There is issues everywhere. Everybody is in the same game, game playing field. It's not like one organization having these issues. It's, it's global, right? So everybody's having issues. But, but with this client, we were able to go through those issues and still improve their operations. So now they start getting market share. They start getting orders from, from other customers. And this way, they were able to achieve a decisive competitive edge in their industry. And they had so many shipments nonstop. There was more and more shipments coming in. It was crazy. And then that's why what I was wanted to say is that I don't think systematic capacity expansion would be different at any times. And actually, at, at times of uncertainty, uh, times of crisis, that's, uh, that's, that's times where you can really, an organization can obviously either cease to exist or if they put the right mechanisms in place, the right focusing, they can actually gain a decisive competitive edge and they can be number one in their industry or be really on the top. So that's uh, very dangerous times, but at the same time, uh, there is uh, opportunities to also to get. And when you use systematic, like when you use systematic capacity, especially you elevate to the next level. So this concept really wouldn't change even during times like the supply chain disruptions uh, and all this kind of stuff that is going on. Pavel, is there anything I did not ask you about today that you'd like to add to the conversation? Uh, so yeah, so one thing I would like to mention is that we also believe in the inherent simplicity. So any problem, any difficult situations that uh, a manufacturer might face, there is really an inherent simplic in simplicity within. That's the only thing that uh, you really need to uh, kind of understand is what is the problem, get to the root cause of the problem, understand all the effects that you're experiencing because of the problem and apply very simple methodologies. Because to tell you honestly, every time we go to clients and we're finding out where to, we need to improve and how to improve, it's, very, it's usually really simple. It's almost like a common sense approach. But what we have, there is lots of conflict sometimes there is inside, inside organizations. And there is a erroneous assumptions about what should we do to get better from different departments, like, you know, the usual politics sometimes organizations face, and there is different erroneous management, uh, erroneous assumptions that's coming up. But they, if we have a constructive dialogue inside the organization, we have a constructive dialogue, all the parties will agree that actually the goal is the same. The goal of the organization is to make more money, right? Or like I said it, increase throughput, reduce inventory and operational expense. And if you ask anybody in organizations, they'll agree that that's a goal. How we get there, that's where we're starting to really brainstorm. Well, Pavel, great conversation today. Can you tell our audience how they can get in touch with you and where they can learn more about future state engineering? Yeah, thanks, Joe. I enjoyed it as well. So it's very simple. Uh, we will share uh, uh, my LinkedIn profile. You can just uh, uh, send, me, send me a message as well as our futurestateengineering.com website. And we'll also, we are getting really active on LinkedIn. Uh, we are hosting, actually this month, we are hosting a webinar. From time to time, we have uh, 
different sessions coming out on uh, LinkedIn, some live events where we can uh, talk, where we talk more about the concepts we apply and things like that. So yeah, just uh, connect with me on LinkedIn, send me a message and uh, we'll go from there. Beautiful. Well, Pavel, once again, thanks for doing this today. And as for the rest of you, I hope to catch you on the next episode of the Manufacturing Executive. Before we go, I want to say a quick thank you to our sponsor, Workstep. Workstep's software helps companies hire and retain their frontline workforce across the supply chain. Visit workstep.com to learn more. You've been listening to the Manufacturing Executive Podcast. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you'd like to learn more about industrial marketing and sales strategy, you'll find an ever-expanding collection of articles, videos, guides, and tools specifically for B2B manufacturers at gorilla76.com learn. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time. <laughs>